This episode of Spectre Cinema Club is brought to you by Zito's Mannequins. Fashion changes, but you know what doesn't? The mannequins wearing them. We have the highest quality that are restored and maintained by a proper, true artist. Purchase a mannequin from us today, but no rentals. We're looking for forever homes. Come on down to Zito's Mannequins. Welcome, welcome back to Spectre Cinema Club, a podcast obsessed with horror subgenre. I am your co-host, Mr. Garrett McDowell. Sitting across from me, it's Devon Taylor. Hello, hello, and it is time to kick off a uh, brand new month. Woo. Very excited. Uh, this is also my birthday month, so, you know. Happy birthday. Um, Not um, today, but, you know, it the, will be. The, the very last day of May, so I love that I have literally the entire month to claim to as celebrate. my birthday yeah. month. Yeah, so anybody it says something to you, like, come on, guys, it's my birthday. You know, free drinks all month, whatever it is. For for, for forever. Um, I've, I've learned to um, not... Uh, to make sure to take advantage of uh, mm-hmm. birthday perks, you know. You also have a summer birthday too, which I was I'm always jealous of as somebody who has a December birthday, especially growing up in the Midwest, because you got to have like the cookouts and you got to do the pool parties. For me, it was just like it's snowing outside, so you just gotta <laughs> sit inside all the time. So, so they've obviously yes, it, it it is nice, but it didn't get nice until I was older because yeah, as a kid. My birthday would sometimes be before school ends, but then sometimes it'd be after school Ooh. ends. So if it was after school ends, it's harder to, you know, get a hold of people to right. invite them over and stuff. You know, yeah. I couldn't send out a uh, Facebook message. True. You know, wasn't, yeah. it isn't like today. And I would have, you didn't get to have like the, the classroom birthday party, bringing in the cupcakes, being like the king. You which know? honestly, when I was like super young, I like, it made me so sad. Like I always wanted that. Like I was always like, <laughs> yeah. so anytime, like the few times that yeah. like we were still still in school by the time my birthday was around i was like oh oh, oh my god yes yes and yeah. then you know went went all out for it so um so yeah but even though this is my birthday month um the theme was not my pick necessarily uh for this one it was actually an idea that you submitted that yeah. i was like no i like this idea and you know may remakes you know you know easy it, wordplay it there. works yes uh, uh, remay make make may what whatever we're calling it yeah that was my idea to and we discussed it a little bit towards the end of last week's episode uh which if you haven't listened to give it a listen talk to evil dead rise it was a lot of fun but um i had the kind of idea of doing a whole month based around remakes but not necessarily which movie is better between these two but more discussing what each movie does differently what characters or storylines or themes the the film decides to emphasize also the fact that you know like in the case of this movie these films are made decades and decades apart from one another so what's happening in the country at that time societally you know uh being able to compare even the locations or tones uh, of each films and so using that more as the discussion rather than nah this one's not as good as this one or you know what have you yeah i mean and we will you know at the end of each episode kind of give our um when we give our ratings you know which one we do prefer between the two of them but yeah we're gonna kind of talk about more 
uh, parallelly. Mm-hmm. Is that is that is that a we're word? going with it? We're just going to steam on through. Act like we know it is. <laughs> um, because yeah, because it is always hard to like whenever you are talking like one of these movies to like not you know continuously keep bringing up one of the other ones. Sure. Um. So yeah. So we're making it to where we're just going to talk about them both at the same time. So right. we're uh, kind of got a a little bit of a, a format switch up for this month. I like how uh, this month and last month, you know, we're we're trying some new things mm-hmm. uh, here on the pod. So that's very exciting so let's go ahead and uh, get into our first selection for remake may so we got two versions of maniac here we have the original that was released january 30th 1981 and then the remake uh, was released uh june 21st 2013 the original, directed by Bill Lustig, and the remake, directed by Frank Calhoun, or Calhoun, not Calhoun, Calhoun, uh, who uh, directed uh, P2, um, along with uh, one of his other collaborators here. First Maniac was written by C.A. Rosenberg and Joe Spinell, and Joe Spinell had the uh, story credit for it, so uh, he, um, you know, not only because he's the star of the movie as well, which mm-hmm. kind of adds in. Uh, a little personal touch to yeah. to the um, performance there. So nice that he got to be involved in that one. But the remake here we have uh, written by Alexander Aja and Gregory Levesseur, um, and they uh, write uh, multiple movies together. They did direct, or they wrote uh, P2 also for Calhoun, but then Alexander Aja, director in his own rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did cover Horns here on the podcast. You can go back and listen to that. I absolutely love that film. Um, which I think was also co-written by uh, Lavasur um, as well. So they've uh, done quite a few projects together. Um, and uh, across the 2013 version of Maniac, um, a lot of their frequent collaborators, um, such as Rob, who did the score, um, as well as Maxime Al- Alexandre, who also uh, worked on previous films with them. And then um, for the original, we have cinematography done by Robert Lindsay and a score done by Jay Chataway. So, Garrett, this is um, your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, let's go ahead and, I guess, to get into initial thoughts, lead into whichever one you saw first. Yeah. And then we'll get into the feelings of the other one. So, I saw Maniac, the f- original, first. And I saw that a few years ago. And knowing the kind of the status of the movie, I guess, culturally, um, knowing that it was this like super grimy, pretty infamous, you know, just one of those movies that came out in this era that was banned in however many countries. And no, it wasn't released in this country until, you know, whenever just kind of knew the legend behind Maniac. I Mm -hmm. watched it, wasn't really in love with it. And then was enlightened to the fact that there was a remake starring Elijah Wood and that the way the film was told, from uh, like a POV standpoint was was quite different from it. So I thought it would be a nice opportunity for this month uh, and would prove for hopefully a fruitful conversation um, because the uh, remake, this was my first time watching it, um, but really using it as an opportunity to highlight the differences because there actually are quite a lot of differences whether you know where the film is set, um, the uh, point of view, uh, first person point of view that is prevalent in the remake and then really using that as a way to kind of talk about the uh, different approaches to the story rather than just being, 
you know, funny games and then the American remake of funny games. It's like, what do you even talk about there? So there seem to be quite a lot of differences here. Um, and there's some other uh, movies that we're talking about this month that I also feel would is, is going to make for an interesting conversation. So um, as far as general thoughts, I, I don't really care or didn't really care for the um, original one. Um, I, I found it like kind of needlessly mean spirited, uh, didn't have a ton to say that it's peers hadn't also said which i'm sure is going to come up a lot in um not just movie math but in our discussion so i went into this uh remake really excited to kind of see the different approach that it would have given you know of course who worked on it um as well as who stars in it elijah wood being like a big horror you know big horror fan i was excited to see um that kind of acting outing from them um and i like the film i don't think it's like uh, a, a giant improvement on the original, but I do think that it makes some interesting choices that I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, I kind of came into um, the original the same way. Um, I very much knew its reputation, and uh, this was kind of around when I was like really starting to watch like primarily horror movies and mm-hmm. like trying to you know kind of fill in my gaps in knowledge. And the first time I watched it, I was pretty bored by it. I you know didn't really I didn't really think much of it. Um, you know, partially because I did have the hype going into it. Mm-hmm. And then I remember watching um, the the last drive in presentation of it. So, you know, we get like more behind the scenes facts. We get some mm-hmm. interview uh, stuff. And that uh, definitely helped and especially like doing the live tweet uh, with last drive in is always super fun. Sure. Um, so it kind of uh, I had more fun with it um, and got more enjoyment out of it. But then watching it back to back with, um, you know, the the remake uh, made me appreciate it even more, uh, a little bit more for its simplicity, you know, because it kind of is this very bare bones, um, you know, like it's a very straightforward. It's a guy going around killing people and, mm-hmm. you know, and like, yeah, Frank Zito is such a, a an anonymous, you know, kind of person that you're just like, who is he like in even by the end of the movie, don't really learn anything about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the the movie, um, you know, takes that bare bonesness and like the mon- the mundanity of it um, to uh, to kind of show that it's just like, you know, you can just be living your normal life. And then all of a sudden, you know, just by some you chance, they scalp taken off, <laughs> you, get scalped, you never know. Um, you know, so it kind of the, the simplicity of it, actually, I think, is a big strength of this original film. Mm-hmm. And um and I remember whenever I first saw the remake, I was like, actually, this was before I I think I'd only watched the original like once. So then I was like way bigger on the remake. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, see, this is kind of more, you know, uh, the, the the potential of the, the original one. But I also gave it just credit for being a good example of a, a, how to do a remake like with a purpose, you know, like. Sure. Because um we're gonna kind of turn we're gonna end up throwing out like some different terminology throughout the month, but at least for me, you know, a remake is like pretty much like same story, same idea. You're doing the same stuff with it, mm-hmm. and um and you know, but maybe updating it for modern time, yeah, and or technologically, um, but then and then reboot. I always associate more with like a franchise. When right. they're kind of like, you know, doing a wiping the slate or something like that. I even put requels like kind of more in line with like a reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
And then I would say a reimagining is like taking the premise, but doing something completely different with it. I think that's fair. And that's, it's a good point to bring up. And I'm, I've always been a stickler for this because I think people use remake and reboot interchangeably. But when I think that they're very different, yes. I, uh, I to, similar to what you were saying, I think a remake would be like what we have here, having that original story, pretty much doing the same thing, but obviously tweaking, um, um, different things here and there. And obviously American remakes fit into that too. Um, a lot of which are just kind of shot for shot or, or, or what have you. A reboot to me is more, this is, uh, like you had said, a franchise that maybe has been dormant for a bit and we're going to kind of kickstart it again, maybe take inspiration from some prior films, but at its core is telling a different story. Um, I kind of view it as like, like a computer. If you're rebooting your computer, you're just kind of, you know, restarting it and kicking it back up again. It's not a new computer, you know? Um, and then, yeah. That's the, actually the perfect analogy. I don't know why nobody else is like, well, thank you. Thank you. That's a, that's a Garrett original trademark. Uh, but then uh, the requel is kind of uh, what they had like mentioned in Scream is like, we, it, it is a reboot. But it's also kind of um, a, a remake of the original one, just with like different characters. It's I, like, I would include the Evil Dead as well as Scream and even like The Force Awakens in that too. Requel is like a remake, but in the same continuity. Right. Yeah. Is like kind of where I'm at. Because like Curse of Chucky would also be that way as well. Like Curse of Chucky, you could watch that and that could be your first Chucky movie and it's totally fine. Sure. But it was like bringing a new era in for yeah. it. Yeah. It's also a newer term, you know. I, I don't think that that's really even been something that movies had need to address until recently where you have like these legacy sequels, you know, as I guess it's kind of yeah. called. Yeah. I don't even know what you would call like the David Gordon Green Halloween tour. It's like... Yeah, there were other movies, but we don't fucking care about those. We're just going to kind of make a sequel to the original. You know, I guess that would be kind of I would a, consider a, a that reboot. A I, would, I, a reboot. I would consider yeah. that a requel as well because yeah. it still hits a lot of those same beats and it intentionally yeah. mirrors certain things from the original one. Or at least, yeah, it kind of tips so, its hat to it. But yeah. yeah, but like, yeah, like it's not a new concept, but it is, yeah, we are still trying to define it that's yeah. why i found funny that like people were acting like scream 5 was the first requel and i'm like no they've been doing we, it yeah we're just putting a name to it now yeah. <laughs> like okay you, you put it out there because um uh i was watching like an old youtube interview and um someone was trying to describe uh oh it was it was bruce campbell he the oh. way he he <laughs> called the 2013 one a requel gotcha like, like when they were doing the press for that. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, props to Bruce Campbell, actually. Not, not Scream. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's definitely I think it's important to classify these things because I think uh, a lot of films mm -hmm. like Evil Dead specifically, if calling that a remake, it's like, well, how, how can you have remake Evil Dead without A, B or C? It's like, well, you know, hold, hold up here. It's a, it's a different thing. So I think it's an important um, point to be brought up in this context of this theme. But I think that the, the film that we're talking about today is a is a straight up remake, which yes. I think is interesting and kind of also contributed to why I wanted to pick this movie, because if you've seen the original one, it's... It's super bare bones, like you had mentioned. It's a guy. He goes around New York City and fucking kills people. There's there's my 60-second synopsis. <laughs> he fucking skins their their scalps off and puts them on a mannequin and then has mommy issues. You know, so it's like if you're going to remake that story, how are you going to approach it in a different way? Because I didn't think that um, Alexander Aja or even Elijah Wood would be interested in telling the same story. So knowing that they would remake this 30, 40 years later, they're obviously going to want to put their own spin on it. So that was, uh, you know, uh, contributing to why I kind of wanted to, you know, aim my sights on this one. 
Yeah, I think, um, yeah, breaking down the terminology is important, but then also the the reasoning. And I think, um, you know, making some uh, adjustments on the fly here. I think yeah. we will suspend 60 second synopsis for this one. <laughs> and we yeah. can just like after we uh, kind of do this determination of what sure. type of remake it is, then mm-hmm. we can just get into the story. But um, but that, you know, goes back to my initial thoughts of the the 2013 remake was. I was like, okay, this is, yeah, you are telling the exact same story, like pretty much same, uh, you know, there's, there's some tweaks here and there, like, For they, sure. and they make enough to change it, but then it is this, okay, then what is the reason? And it's like, you have two different, like kind of big things is the, the, the POV perspective of it, you know, mm-hmm. that changes the entire style, but then it also kind of changes, uh, the, the narrative with Frank in a drastic way. Yeah. Um, and then also the casting of Frank, I think makes such a big difference in this because in the first maniac, yeah, Joe Spinell looks like a maniac that would scalp <laughs> some bitches like that. Yeah. That's, that is what he looks and like. And they even kind of <laughs> reference that in the remake too, when they go on the date and she says, I expected you to be kind of this like overweight guy with greasy hair and glasses and acne and it's like it is kind of like it's it's kind of mean a kind of a dig on like if you were to describe frank you know that's kind of what you would describe him as is kind of this you know grubby looking dude that you know looks like you picked him off the bottom of your shoe which you know uh uh you know shout out uh, um tony or uh, joe spinell but uh yeah he's he's kind of a creepy looking guy <laughs> yeah and i mean and this being kind of one of the more earlier i mean we don't we really still don't have too many like pov movies we got this on hardcore henry yeah and that's like kind of for real mainly it mm-hmm. um I, I because it is a very difficult you know type of film to make but um this being an early proponent that just like felt very interesting and fresh and uh completely justified the reason to mm-hmm. to remake maniac because because uh, maniac also it's not like it was super popular but it was a cult movie you know with again since it was so bare bones has so much room to be remade so because I always um I have my categories of like movies that should get remade and it and it's either like movies that had a good premise that like didn't get executed well whether it be for you know budgetary reasons or or just wasn't executed well like right. a very good premise right. but like not great or like kind of a middle of the road movie as well that you're just like okay like this is fine but like there's avenues that you could have taken you know like that have like room for improvement mm-hmm. um but it's like i those are usually my like kind of main reason or like um, yeah. uh movies because like i'm like as far as like translating you know movies from another country into english though we have a few that have worked out decently I, that's not a reason to remake a movie. Just watch that. Just watch that movie in that language. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, it's always been weird to me too when they interview filmmakers of whatever given remake is out nowadays, and all the filmmaker can just do is say how much they love and were inspired by the original film. It always kind of begs the question of like, okay, well then why are you doing it again? You know, for me, I'm always a big proponent of like, if you're going to remake something, at least make it just a different thing. That way, you know, successful or not, I think you know, obviously. Rem- means to be seen with whatever the film is but if i'm going to go see um a disney remake like one of those live action remakes or or what have you i i want to have a different experience because i can just go watch the other one you know as much as the uh uh, as, as much as i really you know don't really care for a lot of like 
uh, what the Disney remakes have done, I think the worst thing that you can say about them is it's just like, yeah, it's just the original thing again. You know, it's just like, I would rather pay it my money, go see something and have a new experience. Whether or not it works for me, I think um, is definitely up for debate. So uh, I'm glad that this one at least takes like a stylistic approach, a narratively different approach, and then also has different things to say about motherhood and abuse and, and, and trauma and where the audience is and, and, and their perception of all of these events. Yeah, and, and which is why I'm very excited for at the end of the month to do this like bonus episode where we get, you know, talk about movies that we want to get remade because yeah. like uh it, it you know, just to hear something else it's like also so many movies get remade multiple times. So it's like we're right. not even remaking like different movies, yeah. like, hey, like let's really like reach out there. Like yeah. we literally could have did a whole month just on Invasion of the Body Snap. I was gonna bring that up too. To. Yeah, which <laughs> like and, and, and that film too and and Maniac as well it being made in such different times being made in the 1950s versus like the mid to late seventies and, and then so on, what is going on in the country to kind of reflect the story sure, that's being sure. told here. And I think maniac also um, contributes to that too. The fact that the original film takes place in the early eighties, kind of like the beginning of, you know, this Reagan's America sort of transformation of places like New York city, kind of this greedy or uh, this greasy, grimy, sort of portrayal um, of New York, something that we discussed a lot in our um, uh, New York month. But then, you know, in the uh, the remake taking place in Los Angeles and, and kind of taking place in downtown in more of a modern context, also with online dating and all of these other things kind of um, influencing it, having it more be about like the dangers of dating and, and living in this kind of society from like a female perspective rather than you know, from a, a male perspective of him just sort of hunting down and killing women indiscriminately. Yeah. So, so I guess we'll, we'll start off with the story aspects here on, yeah. you know, the, the kind of differences and uh, because yeah, the, the location does play, you know, one of them is New York, one is LA mm -hmm. and that definitely does um, uh, uh, change the, the narrative like mm -hmm. a little bit um, as far as, um, you know, LA kind of being like known as like, it's so vast, but you can also feel so lonely in it and i feel like you kind of get that a little bit more in la than new york kind yeah. of more in new york just because you are like right interacting even more often than you kind of would um in la so you do have that but um so the so but the the bare bones story is yeah we got frank zito who is um i mean in the original we don't know what he does we have no idea what his job is how does he even have that apartment exactly um um but you know we have frank zito and in the remake he owns a mannequin store where he uh you know restores them and uh got passed down through his family at least so he says yeah um and yeah basically it's just you're following him kind of uh hunt and stalk these various women mm -hmm. um and you kind of get the the backstory um uh um in various uh, amounts between the two films. Um, but it's uh, kind of just um, you're, you're, you're rolling along with Frank and you're watching people get killed. And I'll say um, one difference that I did notice between the two that I would say goes in favor of um, in the, in the first one is the, the way that each kill is set up is very interesting to me because you, each one is set up. It's just like, you see the, the, the future victim uh, just having a conversation or having just like a normal day in their life, like mm -hmm. whether it's the, the sex workers kind of talking amongst themselves yeah. or trying to um, make rent or whatever. Yeah. Or, or, um, or just like a couple that are like on a date and they're just hanging out, making out, you yeah. know, like things like that. And it's just like, 
uh, you're in, um, I think like another one is just like somebody riding the subway home, you know, just like after work. Mm-hmm. And it's just like these, these very like normal mundane things. And you really just like get to, you let them have like a conversation for a minute. Like you don't really, you don't learn their names, mm-hmm. but you learn who they kind of are as people and like kind of just like that, oh, this is like their kind of every day. Yeah. And then, and then it's just, you know, brutally interrupted, uh, it, you know, by, by Frank, you know, killing them versus in the remake. Um, the, the kills just like kind of are more, uh, obviously voyeuristic because we are in Frank's shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, so we kind of have more of a distant, even more of a distance from the victims and like them being like kind of more people. So I, uh, that's kind of one difference I had. Yeah. And I also think that the, the remake does something different in the sense that there are some characters in that who by horror movie definition are kind of deserving of what happens to them in the sense of like he kills um, the uh, art dealer publicist lady, whatever her job is, but she's kind of like condescending and rude to him at the art show, you know, where she's like kind of making fun of his hobby, which I think is quite different from you're right. Cause like the original film is just the sort of, indiscriminate just killing anyone like that he comes across um where in in the the remake it's kind of like oh did you give him a bad look or did you you know were you kind of mean to him one time oh you're gonna get killed you know yeah and and that unfolds differently too in um in his interactions with anna um i'm need i know that's her name in the remake but oh i'm gonna be i'm her? gonna be a mess okay. this entire no, it, episode. it's her it, it's actually her name in uh both movies um okay. thank god <laughs> so so that is like kind of one thing too because like again yeah we're just like kind of watching uh these things happen and in the original we kind of watch like frank kill a good amount of people before he even meets anna yeah and so then, so with that, you're kind of watching this interaction and you're not thinking to yourself like, oh, are they actually becoming friends? Is she mm-hmm. actually, is he like actually trying to form a normal relationship or is like just when is the top clicking of he's going to turn on Anna and kill her yeah. versus in the remake, Anna's introduced way earlier and she's fleshed out way much, way more as a mm-hmm. character, which is great. I'm I'm glad like she actually has like she's more of a person rather yeah. than in the first one she's uh there to kind of just like you yeah. know facilitate the the quote unquote like main struggle for frank yeah uh, but you feel it more in the 2013 one in just the way that they introduce those two characters yeah i think frank in the original is definitely like the will he won't he sort of um like loose canon to where in the the remake frank is really seems like it's like a split personality kind of thing like he's really at war with this kind of evil side of himself like whenever he commits one of these acts of violence it's always like god why did you make me do that like i didn't want to do that like he seems um like he's trying to like bury this thing deep down and in the original like i i guess it is related to more of the characters but elijah wood portrays it with this much more like meek kind of sensitivity to it to where in the like spinel in the original he's like a different person. Like he's like charismatic and he's just like shooting the shit and then just randomly just kind of loses his mind. You know, I think that Spinell kind of has that more like kind of Norman Bates sort of attitude to where they seem like this kind, charismatic person and they do something completely, you know, maybe out of character to where Elijah Wood plays him more of like, you know, he's the quiet guy in class or something like that. 
Uh, speaking of the Norman Bates aspect of it, do you, so when they, because they, both films feature um, Frank kind of having these inner monologues, yeah. um, you know, quite often, but they, we focus a lot more on that in the original, mm-hmm. and that's like really the only way that we kind of get any idea into Frank is these like inner monologues yeah. that don't make sense though, you know, versus um, in the remake, he does kind of, he interacts with more people and you kind of get yeah. a little bit more of a picture. So like with this inner monologue, is he talking to either a himself? Uh, is he talking to a split personality or are they, are either one of them like talking to like their mother that they like kind of carry within them? It, 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 it kind of varies on the situation. Cause I think in some scenes, Frank is kind of talking to these group of quote unquote girls that he is like surrounded with these mannequins with these scalps, like stapled to their heads. Like he's kind of talking to them like they're his girlfriends or whatever. And then in some scenes he is talking to his mother, um, I guess as far as like preferences, and I was curious to see kind of where it was going because in the remake, it is really taking a lot of time kind of explaining why Frank is the way he is and mm-hmm. like the backstory and what happened to him and a lot of stuff related to his mom, where in the original, he just, he talks about it uh, to himself, mm-hmm. which is also different. The, the The remake, he talks more out loud and like, out, like he's having a conversation with one of the mannequins where in the original it's mostly in his head and I was just kind of like okay if you're going to do that why is it to create sympathy for the character because that's kind of where I bump up against like I don't think it's super necessary to have like this serial killer and then want us to like weirdly empathize with them in some sort of way I felt like it did kind of rob some of the terror and some of the unhinged sort of quality in an attempt to kind of have us you know maybe not not necessarily like excuse what he's doing, but more, oh, well, that's why he's, you know, that's why he does this. He has mommy issues. So I don't know if I, I didn't feel like it was super necessary. So, I mean, we've seen that brought up in a few different movies. Like, I know that's like one of the biggest criticisms of Rob Zombie's Halloween. Goddamn like, right it is. You know, like, <laughs> why are we trying to humanize them? Is that the point? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's where these two films, even though they are like, you know, still telling the same story, yeah. they tell an inverse of each other of you know the kind of classic nature versus nurture in the 1980 version it's kind of more nature he's just he just kind of is this way like Mm -hmm. yes we know he does kind of have some past trauma but we don't really know what it is Mm -hmm. uh we don't really see you know the opposing forces of like other people weighing in on him like nothing like you know his his life seems pretty easy he just goes around killing and and then you know oh and he goes to some photo shoots here and there because why not um, you know, so it's a man it, of I, culture. <laughs> so I feel like that Frank is they are exploring like the, you know, nature versus nurture. Oh, it's nature. Like he is this just he snaps because this just kind of is who he is. Yeah. And then 2013, they're kind of trying to explore the nurture aspect of like, OK, like we're going to explore a little bit more of this, uh, you know, abusive, traumatic childhood that he had, the relationship they have with his mother and his perception um, you know, of his mother and how that affects, you know, like the perception that he, um, you know, has around him. He has this anxiety where he like sees everybody looking at him all the time and, mm-hmm. or like, um, you know, th- these other insecurities. And yeah, so for this story, do I need to, do I want to see a story of, um, having sympathy for this character? Yeah. No, yeah. like he, like he is doing still very terrible, aberrant things, regardless of, you know, like just because you had it bad doesn't give you the excuse to do these things. Yeah. So the sympathy is not going to be there. So that's why I do like the simplicity of the original more in this aspect, because just 
again, the anonymity of Frank. Like in the 2013 one, not only do I know his background stuff, I know his hobbies. I know his things that he likes to go do. I like yeah. it. I know, uh, you know, all these things about him. I don't want to know any of these things about him, you know, mm-hmm. and like uh, because then the not knowing any of this is like kind of what makes that original Frank like so much scarier. Like we spend 90 minutes with this guy and I don't, I still don't have a clue, yeah. you know, that's scarier to me. To me, I don't know. It is kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you, damned if you don't, because with the original and it's uh, one of the criticisms I have of the film, because the protagonist, I guess the lead of the film is so unknowable. The movie just sort of becomes him just, you know, uh, inflicting violence on women for 85 minutes. And like, that's kind of it, you know, with like these glimpses of the psyche of this person, which I find to be the most interesting aspects of the movie. So the vagueness of the character, I really appreciate, but then it's kind of like, well, what else are you going to do with the movie? I guess he's just going to, you know, punish and kill women for the rest of the, the runtime. Whereas with the remake, you spend so much time with this character and it's kind of what I meant of like this, you know, uh, a double-edged sword it's like okay well we are going to dive into the psyche more and it's like okay well what are you trying to say are you trying to excuse these actions or explain these because I think in the conversation of nature versus nurture to anybody who knows like kind of the true crime you know um, you know serial killers and oh how do they end up this way it's because it's both like I think doing one or the other isn't as effective it is nature and it is nurture it's, it's both working at the same time so when you tell a story about oh well this guy's fucking evil because of A, B, and C. It's just kind of like, it is the Michael Myers thing to where it's just like, it dehumanize or it, it creates this sort of empathy or humanizes them in a way that just kind of removes them of that unknowable sort of terror. Yeah, I mean, I guess, because this is, I guess, one of the few times I will, like, agree with, like, because I... Because that's the reason I don't connect with the Halloween franchises because, like, people, the big idea behind it is, like, just evil just because sure and it's never interested me in that series but here it does because it you know i feel like in the remake him trying to form a more genuine friendship with anna and like we kind of see this you know yeah. relationship like kind of bloom and and i guess the tension is supposed to be in your mind like oh is he gonna change like is like this gonna be okay like can she uh you know uh, put him in a different place yeah. or accept him for who he is and it's like from what we've seen in the even the first 30 minutes we know damn well that's not gonna be the well, case it's also so what's asking the po- you to root so, so for then, him so then so then exactly so yeah. then what is the point i'm yeah. not gonna root for him like you're like come on buddy i'm not gonna <laughs> root for him i don't feel sad for him yeah. even if in this one like you said like we do actually see people be mean to him and yeah. stuff and then you're like okay yeah now i do want but then it's like that's also in this like you know back half of the movie to where again there wasn't going to be any sympathy and there's none now. So like, don't try to get it from me at this point versus again in the 1980s, they're just like, we're not going to try. Like we're going to present this Mm -hmm. just kind of uh, more. So, so it it feels more of a, an experience, you know, like, so if I'm, if I'm watching one of these movies, I'm going to go for more of the experience and like the, the, the raw kind of feelings versus like trying to look for, you know, more like, I mean, yes, is he, is it just kind of 90 minutes of a guy senselessly killing people? Yes. But the simplicity behind it, you know, garners so many thoughts and conversations for me, which I think it's kind of a, like, I I wish I could take the best qualities of each of these movies and, and, you know, um, 
kind of distill it down to what I think that would be kind of the epitome of a great maniac movie because it is kind of components of each film. I love kind of the mystery and the ambiguity and the kind of inherent terror that come out of the original, but I also love how the new movie really uses um, like dating and tells it from more of a female perspective of trying to walk home from a bar. You can't go three blocks without some man hollering something at you or harassing you in some way and kind of using the modern context of, okay, you met this guy online, you're going out on a date as like a woman and the kind of the terror in that vulnerability, you know, I, I think there's something to be said there. But also with the original film, you do kind of have this early 80s late 70s new york and you know the the all the serial killers and everything that were around during that time and kind of telling that sort of story i i think it's it's topical for that time but yeah the new one kind of paints him as this incel sort of asking us to mm-hmm. to you know oh maybe he'll change and kind of pull for him which i i i get the impulse the creative impulse to want to tell a story like that i just think that um it's i just don't think it's possible yeah. for this story yeah it's like poor, just, it's in poor taste and it's also not super necessary you know? yeah, yeah because yeah he definitely does like start giving like he literally like i i came to you in your time of need yeah. like i'm a nice guy yeah. like oh my god like like that literally started making my eyes roll yeah i'm um, at that point versus um, and because the yeah the location does kind of change also the yeah. the the feeling intentions because I like what you said like it, you kind of get that more um, in the remake in L A it's like oh yeah like you're there's too much attention too many eyes on you versus in yeah. New York it's like this guy's just going around killing people and he's getting away with and, it super nobody, easily nobody gives a shit because yeah. nobody cares so well, it's like see yeah. I I did like in the the remake that sort of nice guy facade because that's something that you hear all the time and kind of again pointing to the incel thing of like these guys who claim to be nice guys and those are the people that you have to worry about more than anything because they see themselves as this virtuous hero and then you know the moment they have an opportunity to harm someone mostly women you know they end up doing it so I did kind of like that that was a component of the character is that he kind of sees himself as like i didn't touch you one time like it's like dude you just cut her fucking friends like yeah, head in half yeah, you, you, didn't, know? you didn't touch her <laughs> but what about all the other people you've been touching yeah uh yeah so it it, it, it is very tough with this uh story to kind of um do you want more out of it but then yeah. i guess at the same time like maybe you just like some stories you just like kind of can't yeah um and you kind of need to have like the 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 certain constraints i'm not sure but mm-hmm. um so so i mean uh, you know we talk about subgenres here on the podcast um but i feel like um it, with some of these cases we're gonna have similar subgenres. some of them we might have some slight differences uh mm-hmm. so what do you think here as far as um you know we have you know serial killer um kind of stuff going on um, yeah like what 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 do you see? I think the second one or the the remake has a much more voyeuristic sort of um perspective obviously having the the first person um POV I think contributes a lot to that and then there is this question that the remake brings up about kind of as an audience member and as a purveyor of art putting ourselves or putting us in the shoes of some of these characters. And I think that that's brought up specifically in the uh, mannequin art installation, right? Because they they kind of project these faces onto these mannequins, these kind of like 
lifeless husks that resemble people but obviously aren't people and then wanting to imbue them with some sort of humanity or personality to them which i think the movie is doing for frank for this character but also as an audience perspective is really putting us in the shoes of this is what this person is seeing. You're seeing these crimes committed through their eyes rather than the sort of third person just observing it. It's kind of forcing you to engage. So I don't know as far as subgenre, would you just call it like voyeurism horror, I guess? I don't know. I mean, yeah, in a way, you know, like uh, definitely, um, you know, prevalent in a lot of erotic thrillers mm-hmm. and I mean, and uh, I mean, you obviously, I mean, there's exploitation vibes, you know, for either one of them, you know, especially because like, you know, um, a lot of the victims are sex workers. So like, especially in the 1981, that was a little bit spicier Mm -hmm. um, at the time, considering, you know, sex workers didn't have the reputation that they have now. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of, so the first one kind of goes into uh, exploitation vibe a little heavier versus the remake does kind of it uh, leans into a little bit of the more surreal aspects of it you know with yeah. him kind of hallucinating, hallucinating. dream sequences yeah. yeah so we so we kind of do get a little bit more of that and it is um a little bit more cerebral um because like kind of the way that you explained it's like the, the 1980 version is like if you know frank like you know like uh, took you from the bar and said, "Hey, you're coming with me to go kill some people." Yeah, uh, you know, is like kind of the experience that you get from that one versus the remake. It's like you are Frank. It's like this. Like, um, I I actually wrote an article uh for for about this movie. It was uh, one of the last articles I wrote a couple years ago. And um, it and it was a uh, for a column about movies to watch while stoned, mm-hmm. and I you know talked about the remake being a film that's like this gets like even scarier when you're stoned because like once you kind of really get into this like kind of fucked up VR experience yeah. that you're in, and and I really liked uh, the way that the director described it, and he you know says like you know like you are you are in Frank's body and you can't get out. Like, yeah. you know, like you, you are you, like you, there's, you have to experience this and there's something like kind of, uh, you know, like, um, invasive of that yeah. kind of feeling and, uh, in, you know, so the way that they use the POV in this, like kind of, uh, you know, taps into a, of a more cerebral experience. See, and I think even that point that you just brought up kind of even further solidifies my frustration with the movie wanting us to empathize with this character because it is kind of this case of like a hat on a hat, right? Like you are already putting us in a first person point of view of this person as an audience member. You're not wanting to commit these acts you're not wanting to see this terror unfold on screen just in the exact same way that frank isn't wanting to he already feels like he's not in control of his actions so he like the audience is having that sort of um you know he's just seeing the world kind of behind his own eyes if that makes sense at all so like continuing that thought process and continuing it it's like okay well let's you know on top of that explain his childhood explain this backstory i think you're already giving us that sense of let's put you in this character's shoes and have us have that empathy um in a a sense of like i know what you feel like like i know Mm -hmm. what this character's feeling of not being in control of his actions and I think explaining his childhood, I think, is then asking us for a sense of sympathy, if that makes sense, which I don't think is necessary. No, it's it's totally not necessary. Like, and that that's exactly what it is asking, which is hard when you are, you know, in his shoes and you kind of already like get this again, like very strong sense that it's like, no, like no matter how much 
uh, you know, you want to root for this to be a different, you know, like, yeah. and so like maybe the 2013 one, that's why, you know, Anna does kind of is a more kind of well-rounded character because you're trying to root for her and being like, maybe she can, you know, uh, get yeah. to him enough to survive. Like not even yeah. like enough to change him, like yeah. just enough that so that she can survive. And of course, we still don't even get that. See, I do want to talk about Anna for a bit because I don't find her to be a very compelling character at all. Like there's a funny scene where she's brought in and Frank is like, oh, are you French? Like I picked up on the accent and I was like, what fucking accent are you talking about? She's just like vaguely European. <laughs> it's like really hard. Yeah, it's to really only in that scene. <laughs> yeah. Too. Yeah. Like, uh, and then he is like, oh, I believe in your art and like, I want to help with the show. And so he like lends her some mannequins that she like puts a chain on and then like projects a face on them. And that's her art installation. It's art baby. And then her like publicist is like, oh, well the real money will come in New York. And I'm like, I'm sorry to break it to you, hun, but it sucks like it's really nothing at all <laughs> i mean i guess that was supposed to be like the shout out to the original maybe um you know i mean because in the first one anna very much is just doesn't feel like much more of a character than yeah. any of the other victims she's like a photographer it's just like yeah. it's just like we know her name that's yeah. the only difference between mm -hmm. that anna and like the other victims in that movie mm -hmm. is like we know a smidge more about her at least in this one we do kind of get to know her as a person a little bit we see you know she's an artist she's ambitious and but and but similarly to um the 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 first movie and in the open uh one of the kills in this movie too is like uh it's always disheartening because like you're seeing these people that like yeah even though you know uh joe spinell is greasy and gross looking and elijah wood like <laughs> with his, all due like, respect joe spinell <laughs> and like and you know and elijah wood they they did their best to to to, to uggo him down yeah a little bit see um, there's a but, funny scene where he's like messaging this girl online and he's like trying to find a photo uh to send to her and i was kind of waiting for this girl that he's talking to to be like fuck are you frodo baggins like are you in lord of the rings like just super handsome elijah wood yeah, so it's like, um, but like, but the the thing that's disheartening, and I guess you feel it a little bit more with Anna in this one, is like, even though these are, you know, the way that they are perceived, and like, even despite the way that other pe people treat them, like, these all the people, all the victims treat Frank very nicely. Yeah, like very nicely. Like in the in the fir in the original, like the very, um, uh, well, the technically the second one, the first opening kill is a dream, I guess. Um, he dreams about killing and then wakes up and goes kills. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> but he he picks up a, a, a sex worker and, um, you know, and they, he takes her back. And she's, like, very sweet with him. Like, oh, so is this what you're into? You want me yeah. to do this? Like, sure. I'll, I'll you know, like, uh, I hate in... Uh, movies where it's like always like the bitchy sex worker that like judges them for like what they want like sure. oh you want me to do this and that's it's like job, man. That's, that's supply and demand job. <laughs> and like, so it's like it was actually like really refreshing that she like you know is very like nice to him and like that's yeah. a consistent theme is like so it makes it even hurt even worse whenever again where it's like these people that uh you know again in the second movie we have people that are mean to frank and yeah. then it you know it, it hits a different way but with anna with Anna, I guess um, I was I was rooting for. Her. Um, she was uh, she had a nice little final girl run at the end. Uh, yeah. You know, she she kicks his ass a little bit. She almost kills him. She hits him with a car, but she didn't wear a seatbelt, so Great. she so she killed herself on the way out. And probably the guy driving the car too. And that guy too. <laughs> but hey, she she put in some effort. Uh, she she so um so the so twenty thirteen Anna does get some bonus points for me. Um, yeah. But again, like I mean, no, the she's the closest that we get to any semblance of. 
another character in this movie. Yeah, in I, either movies. I think the original is definitely lacking that kind of um, you know, that that final girl sort of uh, motif, and I think that that did work a lot better for me. Um, giving you somebody to root for, um, uh, and and actually root for, and wanting to make it out of the situation rather than just making us weirdly empathize, um, with the you know with the the villain of the movie. Ultimately, uh, poor Anna though she crashes this car probably going like 25 miles per hour and it somehow like launches her through the windshield and she's fucking dead you know like i mean she did her best she 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 did her best she was trying to think on her feet and yeah um you know you win some you lose some you win, win some you lose some um and so let's talk about some of the stylistic uh differences and tonal differences here uh between the two films um so stylistically which one would you prefer Ooh, that's tough i i think i um interesting um i i I will say first i do feel a little bias um now that i've had the opportunity of like living in la i feel like that was like an interesting experience watching this like because he turns down a corner or goes down a street and i'm shout out flower street shout out seventh street metro (laughs) station shout out echo park lake exactly yeah (laughs) like some of those places it's like oh i've been there i've been down that tunnel look it's echo park you know like that was kind of a a a fun experience doing that however i'm a sucker for it man and we talked a lot about it uh in the new york month is this like early 80s grimy fucking gross new york has like is just such a specific point in time that i kind of love seeing that captured on film um so i would say setting wise i gotta go with the original i do prefer the pov shot however i wished the movie was like there are some shots where it'll cut away and then it'll, you'll see like elijah wood like you know um, stabbing well, there's, someone there's, or something. there's only one third person shot and then yeah. the rest are in like mirrors yeah yeah and it did get a little old for me i wish it kind of would have like ebbed and flowed a little bit maybe like having if the camera just like all of a sudden like kept floating back and forth yeah that would have been weird well i think that would have been cool that would have been cool and also like illustrating again if your point is like okay i want to have this first person point of view and put you in the mind of this killer i think doing that during those kill scenes would have been reflective of the character right like in those moments, he feels like we feel, like I was talking about earlier, is like you're seeing what's happening, but you're not really having control of the of the actions. But then in the moments where he's, quote unquote, more human, like talking to someone or flirting or, or you know, trying to be a normal person, that's when I guess we see him as a, as a person um, rather than just this sort of mindless killing machine. So I, I think that that stylistically would have been more interesting, but I do like the POV. I just wish it wasn't like the entire movie. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I, I, I like, I, I really do like the POV, especially like, you know, getting to look at the behind the scenes and stuff like, uh, so basically, um, in certain scenes, um, you know, the rig would be too big to be able to do certain motions. So, uh, Elijah Wood had a, a hand double companion. Um, so they would have to do certain things acting as if these two hands were the same person. Oh, like, so Elijah Wood would have because the right some, hand because, the because, hand because hand. like when he's filming stuff, like the camera rig is like in his chest That's cool. and, and, but like sometimes like he can't reach both hands around to like do stuff. Nice. Uh, so sometimes when you see both hands in the shot, one of those is not Elijah Wood's hand. He's got some grubby hands too. He's got like dirt yeah. and everything in his nails. Which is yeah. a cool, um, which also adds like 
you know, a little more characterization to Frank in a more mm-hmm. interesting way. It's like he has like, you know, these like hard hands and we can see him scrubbing it with a metal Brillo I pad. Know, disgusting. Like, yeah. uh, absolutely awful. So, so like seeing those kind of things and like apparently like this, you know, it was had to be very um, strictly choreographed and blocked out and everything. Yeah. And then most of the audio was done in ADR. I, I want to talk about that, and we can talk about some of the performances as well. Um, what did you think about the the fact that most of Elijah Wood's performance in this movie, uh, from a dialogue perspective, is ADR? Did that work for you? I mean, I think it was fine because I think that's the 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 best way that they got a that they're able to do it from the you know the movie standpoint. But then also, um, I mean, because yeah, does. I mean, I mean, I talk to myself that much out loud, so I think that's believable if like yeah. that's what you're questioning. But yeah. then also, um, because in in like interviews, like he was saying, like the the shooting, the actual shooting was like so technical that he like wasn't really able to kind of think about his performance. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think it would have been super hard for him to like have a rig and then like sure. what, have a headset sure, and sure. still deliver the lines. Yeah, which I'm sure he did, but I'm sure he wasn't like getting good takes out of that. So I mean, I think it was just like it ultimately had to be done if they wanted to do this pov yeah. thing i i so as far as like the, the performances of frank in both films are super different and i i i think i like them both a lot actually i i think elijah wood's performance it, it being adr kind of gives it this weird out of body sort of experience like it's almost like, like you're listening to like an audio book <laughs> that or like that you feel like he's like disassociating and is like on autopilot like i i, I think it yeah. feels like he's recorded it later in a sound booth and isn't in the scene interacting with another person it like feels his, like, like, he's like his lines. inner monologue is even behind his body yeah it, fe- it feels yeah. so disconnected like he like he did record it in a sounds you know sound stage or, or in a recording booth 10 months later or whatever and doesn't necessarily isn't reacting with an actor on screen so i think that does give it this sort of like kind of at arm's length sort of emotionally removed kind of quality which i think works perfectly for the character and feels sort of inhuman in a way no and i think it i I think it all works like i think it's it like it's definitely not a gimmick like they actually have purpose in what they're doing with it they Mm -hmm. have a lot of effort behind it and like some of these like transition shots when it does go from like a pov to a mirror yeah um like certain shots like that are like really like tough to do so it's like yeah i I think they you know definitely go beyond it being just like oh hey we're gonna do the the first person thing like they they put a lot of purpose and it does still enhance and it does like you said it changes the character with the with the performance of it um the scores are both very similar but both bangers um i love that um the composer for the second one just goes by rob that's fucking hilarious (laughs) to me um but and i think he very much like took uh the inspiration from the original score and just like kind of remixed it he didn't try to like do his own thing but he made it a little bit more uh, contemporary. But both of them are great. Just like the movie has, Devon. Whoa. True, true. <laughs> but one but one really cool thing that uh, kind of separates the two of them, um, in the original, the music is only there when something bad has happened, when there's killing. Okay, there like is Jaws style. There's no upbeat music ever or like when he's just walking around or anything like that or like when he's having his monologues, mm-hmm. it's just him and his voice. Yeah. 
uh, the music only comes in when something's bad happening and there's only scary music. There yeah. is no like even like lightness yeah, yeah. to it. So it's like as soon as you hear it, you're just like, oh, yep. Like there's there's no getting away. Like the once audio cue, it, it's like once the music kicks in, that's when you know it's like, oh, yeah, she's fucked. She's yeah, done. Like, there's cool. no chance. Yeah, I, I also really like Joe Spinell's performance. And I think it's so disconnected in a way that I think adds to the terror. Because when he's in these scenes, just like at, you know, a cafe, like talking to Anna or at a restaurant or whatever, he just seems like a totally normal person. And then I think when he shifts into, like, killer mode, he gets this, like, wide-eyed sort of, like, looks like a madman rather than just some like normal fucking guy and it's so disconnected in a way that I think really just emphasizes the horror of it yeah there's a there's a thing he does that like even when he's acting normal though he doesn't look people in the eyes when he talks to them he like looks like past them no weird so it's like he's there but he's not there he's engaging with you but he's not quite with you yeah um so yeah they're they're uh I mean I think I favor um Joe Spinell's performance love you Elijah Wood I do um, but he does, um, I don't know, like his voice, even though like I think the ADR performance is good. Um, I can't listen to that much of his voice, though. I just don't like it. Um, like, <laughs> like, I just don't like That's funny. Um, and, and he's like a little bit even whinier in, in it. And it just like, um, I sure. don't know, like because, yeah, I do like the the way that, you know, Spinell is able to just like kind of turn it on and off. Um, in a way that it like because he kind of has to compensate because again he's not the best looking guy he's not in the best shape um but he's got you know but when he needs to turn the charisma on he can do it you know versus it's like you know elijah woods uh frank can't do that to save his life you know yeah he sounds like he's gonna cry at any moment well that's the thing is like joe spinell has this like used car salesman sort of quality to him to where it's like this faked charisma like this sort of it feels like a like a like a front you know to where yeah elijah wood is more playing this kind of like uh, demure incel sort of uh, uh, character. So I, I honestly like both. I don't know if I have a preference for one or the other. I think Joe Spinell's performance would go up a little bit for me, but it's hard to differentiate if it's like a characterization thing because I, I prefer the characterization in the original one as opposed to this one. So I, I it's, it's hard to really separate it to just the performances. I really like yeah. both though. I, I definitely lean Spinell because also he has more memorable acting scenes. Like he kind of has a few more standout scenes. There's uh, specifically one the very first scene again like when he's with the uh, sex worker in the hotel mm-hmm. like it's like you you like you, you buy into it and like you almost do feel safe for a sec because this is you know pretty early sure. on and i also think it's his first kill because he pukes afterwards because he at the very beginning he's just dreaming oh you think first kill ever I think oh, like damn. the way he reacts because yeah. the rest of the movie, he doesn't, he yeah. doesn't react. Well, they like both, that. they both puke at the end of their first kill. So uh, the remake is also super fucking gross. You yeah. see him just like spew all over the toilets. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Which I also, uh, I wrote this note down. I have to talk about it. Um, in that, uh, interaction with the first sex worker. So on her, I guess menu, uh, the prices are 25% for regular, 50% is French and regular. I, I remember this. 75 for around the world, and 100 is the ultimate. So what differentiates <laughs> around the world from ultimate? I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, what is the another like, 25%? Yeah, it's know? like, okay, French and regular. It's like, okay, that's like a different style of regular. It's like a, a an upgrade. That, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, around the world. So it's like, okay, now you're not just getting one country. You're getting all the country upgrades. Yeah. And then 100 is just straight ultimate. Weird. Uh, fucking hilarious. So but good. Then, 
but um but Spinell also has a really great scene the the scene um when he's with Anna and the photo shoot and he's asking her about why she does photography mm-hmm. and we have a, a similar conversation in the in the remake too mm-hmm. um you know this like uh, about them being artists and um you know why they do what they do mm-hmm. um and I think these both these conversations do kind of give an interesting um you know peek into their brain i think this in in the 1980 version this is like the only glimpse of like who who uh frank is a little yeah, bit and like yeah. the way he's asking her um he's like you know uh on his views on why she does photography like mm-hmm. you want to you want to capture them you want to you know like you know people age and they change and yeah. you know and it's it's well, not, it, well, he sees it as a possessive thing mm-hmm. which i think is telling of the character that he seems like it's like oh you're keeping them here and you're preserving them forever which is what he's doing with mm-hmm. like the mannequins and the he even says in the remake like you know hair is the only like organism in the human body that doesn't like deteriorate or like you know die ever which i think is interesting yeah and he delivers that he delivers that scene like very good like it's actually like a a very like captivating in the uh, remake uh in the original like uh, his conversation with the photography is really great um but yeah it's a little bit more base level but i will say the conversation he does have in the remake um the difference in because you know uh the the mannequins because in the because in the original he doesn't actually have mannequins he just sees the dead bodies as mannequins versus in the remake he obviously has a mannequin store but it's also the same thing the bodies you know turn into mannequins these are hallucinatory things you're saying the mannequins in the original are are hallucinated they're not they're not mannequins that that's a body are you sure Yes. Because there's a scene early on where he's like hammering a scalp to one of them and he's got like a are you the, saying he's doing that in like a real yes oh shit Damn. Yes, because Didn't he I that. <laughs> because he because he literally goes from killing the the sex worker, puts her in a bag, and is carrying the bag. And then when he gets home and opens the bag, it's a mannequin. So it's not a body. Missed that. So so yeah. he doesn't actually own any actual mannequins, which I do. You've never asked about my mannequin. Uh, have you ever noticed that in the corner? Is it is it like I I have obviously yes I I obviously have noticed yeah so this this being an oral format uh, for the listeners Devon does have a mannequin like in the corner of the room. To be honest, I could ask about a lot of the shit that you have in here, uh, Mr. Taylor. So um, yeah, I think that it's just like one of many things that I could ask. You know, um, yes, I I have it for I guess artistic purposes, but it's also not serial killer purposes. Is no, what you're saying? no, there's the, the, there's no I don't dress I don't dress my mannequin at all, but um. But then, um, but yeah, in the remake, he actually does have some, but I think it's still kind of the same thing. The yeah. bodies he like hallucinates as, as the mannequins, but the way he talks about the mannequins is interesting because like mannequins are, they're, you know, in the form of people, but they're not people like their perception is only controlled by other people. Like what people, yeah. what clothes they put on them, what makeup they put on the faces. So it's like, and I think, so he like kind of talks to her similar in a control way but it's like controlling perception which you know goes into the voyeurism aspect of the movie and i think versus like controlling them physically i think it's also reflective of the character right because he is i think he views himself as kind of this inhuman person trying to adorn himself with as much like human qualities as he can have right it's kind of like american psycho sort of style of like well if i want to be perceived as normal i need to do a b and c so i think he's kind of doing something similar which is even further emphasized by the end of the film to where they're like attacking him and they 
kind of peel away his sort of facade, just revealing this mannequin head under him, like this completely oh my inhuman horror. The, you know? the 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 one scare where he has like the Ken crotch when it oh like God, zooms so out. good, right? So good, so creepy. Yeah, I love the way that they um they incorporate just the smooth, man. Yeah, yeah. So I like the way that they actually incorporate the mannequin aspect in in mm-hmm. this one. Um. So, but I think one thing they are like you know pretty evenly matched in is uh their their brutality and violence yeah. and gore so yeah. let's talk about some of these uh favorite set pieces um obviously the the original is known for the uh tom savini uh head explosion yeah. with the shotgun um how how you feel about that uh it was my second go around with that one and it is it is so gross it is so shocking and just like it's I, I think that in like scanners, you know, are like all time greats, like really, you know, fighting for the number one spot of like head explosions in movies. Um, I, I think this one just like even more so gross because you see like the hair kind of like banana out and like it even like splatters on the girl next to him and she's got like chunks of shit in her hair. It's so fucking gross. Uh, uh, yeah, disgusting. But like the fact that this was made in the 80s, I think like kind of, you know, movies nowadays are just a little bit more violent than they used to be back in the day. And so the fact that they do that, but also they, they the also, scalpings, you know, super yucky all around. They, they use live ammunition. Yeah. Um, they only got to shoot that scene one time because yep. they obviously only had one head yeah. and they were shooting it late at night and they knew that the the gunshot would like set it off so they had to like shoot it and, and then, then toss leave. the gun in yeah. like a trunk and then like apparently they buried the car in the east river and then just like dipped before the cops got there some some mafia type shit yep. going on with yep. maniac and i just the just the uh vision of like i mean again it's like it's really great build up it's just like you know like again like you know these people are gonna get killed but it's just like okay when and like how yeah. long is he gonna like kind of let them have these moments you yeah. know and and the thing is with that Frank too, he always like he always lets it linger for like a minute before he like actually kills them to like mm-hmm. give them a moment to like register what's happening, yeah. which is like really fucked up. And just the way he like hops on the car, uh, the slow mo. I wish it wasn't so slow. Yeah, it can be in slow motion. It didn't need to be like that slow. They slowed it down to like four frames a set, like a minute. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it, it's like '80s slow mo because like the way that you shoot slow mo, the way that you shoot slow mo. At least what you're supposed to do is you turn the frame rate up, but yeah. they turn it down, and so it is. Yeah, it's like ten frames a second. Didn't have the technology. A little too, cho- a little too choppy. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but that's like kind of the the main um set piece in that one. But then the rest of them are kind of just like pretty much stabbings and scalpings and don't get me wrong the scalps the the scalping's good it looks really great um but the 2013 maniac has some gnarly shit yeah that initial scalping when he's like you know uh pinned her up against the door is yeah it's 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 disgusting the the first kill when (laughs) he fucking shoves the knife up through her mouth yeah yeah like through the jaw it's yeah uh, the the the, i think they're both pretty tit for tat for gross levels but yeah that's a great kill to introduce the pov aspect to um, that that very first kill um but uh i love me a good achilles slash um, yeah oh man yeah and her ankle kind of buckles under the car and everything it's just oh god uh, that gal was dumb though that was she was she set herself up in that chase runs back in the other direction she, she, yeah. she ran in a circle in the metro stop it's like no no there's literally two ways to get out go <laughs> like either way you go you can get I out know, so cause i've been there <laughs> i know because i've been there i know that i know that station and then but then she uh, but then she gets out 
And instead of running to, you know, the street, you're downtown. There's going to be people. She runs down the alley into a gated garage see, see, or into a gated parking lot. What the fuck are you I'm doing? glad you're bringing this up as like, far as like living in L.A. and kind of knowing the geography of everything. Because Frank tells Anna later in the movie, he's like, I drove all the way across town to be here. And he says, it's a 30 minute drive. And I'm like, where the fuck are you coming from? That takes you 30 minutes to get across town. Like, there's no, no way. It's, it's like 1130 at night. You're not going to hit any traffic. She's, she's in downtown and he's either in Echo Park or yeah. Silver Lake. Still not 30 minutes. That's not traffic. 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, it, that's if you're like trying to drive at 7 p.m. Yeah. It might take you that Maybe. long. Yeah. If but, you include finding parking and making your way all the way up to the hotel, I suppose. But, but, but yeah, so that, that chase scene was just like, I was just like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but then, um, and then, uh, homeboy gets a, the cleaver to the mouth. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, and then he, continues to fight after that with yeah. just like his jaw unhinged like a snake it's yeah it's just really upsetting <laughs> uh yeah as someone that can unhinge their jaw like a snake that is yeah it, it's how it's like for me. <laughs> uh, it's terrifying uh the the worst part is like um i've woken up and it's like stuck unhinged oh that's scary damn uh yeah some uh so i imagine that's what that guy was feeling when he had the uh, somewhat of what he was feeling when he had a cleaver through yeah, his th- mouth. This poor guy too. He just like he he just booked his first national. He said he just booked a commercial. He was like super stoked about it. And then <laughs> that was the first thing I said when he gets killed. It's like oh good for you man. Yeah, I was like oh no, you had the commercial. You had the audition tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Um, but they both do. Um, they both do share um a similar uh finale sequence. Um, with slight differentiations yeah. with um the the you know Frank hallucinating that the bodies are coming to life and coming to tear him apart. Yeah. Um, which one do you prefer between the two of them? I prefer the second one uh more personally. I loved that shot and it's like super well done. Uh, like visually of the like peeling away his like skin on his face it's so visceral and so upsetting and then revealing that kind of mannequin head the original like his head turns into a mannequin but it's hard to tell if it's like a metaphorical thing or it's yeah it's the 1980s and we that's the best we could do with visual effects you know or special effects um where this one i think it takes a much more like kind of a, a metaphorical approach to this scene um and I, I i thought that really sent it over the edge it looks great it's super weird and upsetting and i think also like serves the character really well yeah we definitely get more of them like pulling his limbs apart yeah. bearing into his stomach and it's uh it's more satisfying in a way also because you know in the original it's like he accidentally like stabbed himself in the gut and then just like kind of bleeds out yeah. in his in his room versus it's a little more satisfying in the 2013 one because at least Anna kicks his ass a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe he bled out because of her stab wound not him killing himself and then that's like a little more satisfying yeah. to uh for him to also be torn apart and then I yeah. think the mannequin face yeah very creepy instead of like a skeleton face it's like a mannequin face I thought that was uh yeah done really well and also the original has like this epilogue of the cops like you know getting out of the car and going all the way up to the apartment and like discovering him and then in the remake it's just kind of this quick you know uh, uh th- them busting in and like a SWAT team like pointing flashlights at him so i think the brevity certainly helps that moment have more impact because when when he leaves that scene it's just like oh dude you're fucked like you got blood all over the crime scene they're gonna find mm-hmm. you immediately so i'm glad that the remake kind of cuts to the chase a little bit yeah so 
uh, definitely a little more satisfying. So let's go ahead and rate them both um, out of five scalps, of course. Um, um, we'll rate them both and then, uh, you know, say which one we prefer between the two of them. For me, uh, the original mannequin, or the original mannequin, the original maniac, excuse me, uh, uh, did bump up a little bit. Uh, it used to be a two out of five. Uh, for me, it is now a two and a half out of five. Um, I, I don't find it super memorable other than a few sequences here and there. Um, I do like what the film um, is doing as far as like just portraying this really grimy, like tactilely gross like period of uh, of like cinema in new york um i think joe spinell is like pretty upsetting in some scenes um but ultimately the movie is just like hey it's a guy just brutalizing women for 90 minutes and it, it gets it gets a little boring um after a while um the elijah wood one i think that there's some character work stuff that um isn't super necessary but i think stylistically it's a bit more strong i think it has a bit more to say which i appreciate and i think that there's multiple memorable sequences um, and the new one as far as um, uh, the kills, but also like the score and like the setting of the film, too. So um, I prefer the remake uh, and I will give it a, a three and a half out of five uh, scalps. So um, it's it's like a full star better, but I still don't I don't love either of them. But I think the remake does a better job at like delivering what I think, uh, you know, uh, the filmmakers is trying to accomplish. This is uh this is interesting. We haven't been uh this split in a in a little while. It's uh it's kind of been a minute since mm -hmm. we've had some contention. Um, because for me, um, I got the original at a four out of five scalps. Um, I do. So it, it's shocking. I don't prefer the one with more gore. I think the original is more emotionally upsetting mm -hmm. because of how vague and anonymous it feels, and yeah. it just feels more dangerous. Um, I think Spinell has the creepier performance. I think knowing less of him helps out tremendously. Yeah. Um, the first one is paced way better as well. Like that movie like breezes by like it snaps and like uh, the the um, remake like hits a hits a bit of a lull in the middle and like, and kind of like finishes out really slow. Um, so it's like I prefer um, even though they pretty much have identical uh, run times mm -hmm. as well. Um, the, the first one just uh, breezes by way better. Um, interestingly enough, between the two of them, even though, uh, you know, yes, he is like just senselessly killing a bunch of women and the, it does have the grimy feel and it's known for kind of having this like sleazy air to it. Uh, there's less nudity in the original than there is the remake. Way less. There's way more uh, a nudity in it. Like, and like the one where he's uh, killing the art dealer, I'm like, I don't need this. Yeah. Like that was like one time I'm like, I actually don't need to see her ass and her like bondaged up in this like kind of yeah. oddly kind of sexual. And he's also like way. in the closet just watching his mom get double teamed. <laughs> oh my God. And those, oh my goodness. Like, um, yeah. So like it, it definitely like the, 2013 one definitely feels grosser yeah um i do enjoy the pov quite a bit um i do like uh the different take on frank even though i think it is too much i don't need all this depth out of frank zito yeah um you know and um but i do uh like you know the the things that they touched on that they chose to um pay more attention to than in the first one mm -hmm. i think are 
um, uh, make sense. They're appropriate for this remake. Yeah. Um, but I have it slightly underneath the original at three and a half out of five. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So the, I, I think it's funny because in the discussion, I felt like you and I had a lot of like we agreed on a lot of the same things. But uh, I guess it is just kind of a um, personal preference, though. I want to I want to confess something and I'm not super proud of myself, but I was watching the Elijah Wood one and the scene with, with his mom where he's like watching from the closet. The moment his mom like takes her shirt off i was like oh i recognize her she's the girl in the friday the 13th remake that gets like lit on fire and i was like i'd recognize those freaking knockers anywhere hey sometimes <laughs> nipples are more distinct than faces you know like I've, I've been there like that makes complete sense you see the you see the beauty mark on the left one you're just like oh yeah, yeah i was like oh yeah I it's good rem- to see you I haven't I seen you in a while <laughs> oh man but yeah uh I, that was a I, I like that uh the the split ratings between us i think that's a yeah. very interesting and um gets me very excited for the rest of the conversations that yeah. we're gonna be having but let's go ahead and get into some movie math Alrighty, here on Spectre Cinema Club, we like to end all of our episodes by playing movie math. Uh, the rules are as follows. You just have to take some of the films that uh, reminded you of the movie that we discussed today and put it in a mathematical equation, all of which just equaling. Um, uh, we're doing something a little different that like, so I'm going to take the original and then Devon will take the new one as opposed to like four equations. We're just going to do um, one a piece. So... Um, I'll take the lead. I'll, I'll do the original first. We'll go in chronological order. So I have in parentheses, I have Peeping Tom um, divided by Tourist Trap. Um, Peeping, uh, Peeping Tom also has this sort of like artistic um, uh, leaning towards the killings and, and kind of kind of portraying this this killer as this you know simultaneous this demented monster but then also kind of this charming man who's like trying to have relationships as well uh divided by tourist trap uh for the reasons uh of like the the mannequins in that being you know uh modeled after real people and consisting of real people uh, i have those um in the the same uh, same equation i think they both have pretty similar vibes um but i am putting those in a parenthesis uh and then i am multiplying it by cruising the al pacino movie uh purely for vibes uh and then also some uh, thematic and story content as well and then i'm raising it to the power of ed gein real life serial killer who you know did a lot of similar shit (laughs) but in uh real life so yeah peeping tom divided by tourist trap times cruising raised to the power of real life serial killer ed gein so i started laughing when i first looked at your like because as i like saw your equation out of the corner of my eye first mm-hmm. i saw tom and i saw cruise <laughs> i go wait what i go where does tom cruise feel like uh, factor into any of this uh it made me laugh that's um, good uh tourist trap is fucking lit i love so that movie great. i can't so wait good. to eventually cover that here on the pod but like what subgenre does that even belong in Just who knows banger such a weird fucking movie man. uh yeah so we'll, we'll we'll figure out time to get that one in um, and then, so yeah, I kind of had a harder time coming up with the original, so I'm glad I did the remake one for mine. Uh, so in parentheses, I have Psycho um, for a lot of the kind of Norman Bates uh, kind of vibes, and they play into it even mm-hmm. more in in uh, the remake than for the sure. original one, just because we do get a little bit more background of like what the experiences with him and his mother were truly like, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. 
Um, so definitely uh, that and as well as like I said, like I think he's like kind of talking most of the time to his mom whenever he's like kind of doing his uh, monologues sure. in it. Um, I have that added to The Voices, which a movie that I also need to work into this uh, pod somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of succeeds a little bit more um, in the um, uh, in the angle of uh, garnering sympathy for this type of character. It's a super different tone, too. Super different tone, um, but like, you know, like you get... You, you feel for that character more, uh, or at least you have a little bit more conflicting feelings about sure. the way you feel about that character versus the way you feel about Frank. Um, but then, like, on the, the hallucinor- uh, hallucinatory uh, angles as well, mm-hmm. um, similar in a way, um, uh, that character uh, in the voices is, like, uh, definitely a, 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 would be, like, a slightly more adjusted Frank if he did have, like, a normal job, maybe. <laughs> um, who knows? If like, he got his act together, you know? <laughs> um, but absolutely fucking love that movie. It's incredible. Um, so I have those added together in parentheses. I have it multiplied by the stylist. Um, very much for the vibes. I've heard of this the, one. The look and aesthetic. Uh, you need to watch it. Um, because that's also part of the reason my score for the remake went down quite a bit because it also ta- tries to do a lot of similar things minus the POV that this movie tries to do, but it does them with more complex themes, a uh, more intricate character study. Is it a is it a newer release? Is it older? It came out in twenty twenty one. I have okay. it. I'll, I'm gonna let you borrow it. Sweet. Um, it is um from a um the director's from Kansas City. She shot it in Kansas City. Shout nice. out Missouri. Um, but um, it's like a a movie where a uh, hairstylist is like kind of trying to have normal connections but you know she has things that kind of fight against her doing that interesting um but there's also scalping um <laughs> and it, obviously and yeah. uh but it does a lot of the same things that this movie is trying to do um at, on a thematic level but just kind of but just succeed, better yeah but better <laughs> like it's a very compelling character study that again you feel very conflicted about this character that you're watching and in the way that it goes about trying to garner the sympathy from them interesting uh, versus in this like i said they kind of try to get they're, they're trying too hard for the sympathy and mm-hmm. then they also try a little bit too late interesting. um for it so and but they also kind of have a similar look to them uh, uh, very similar like kind of scores and the gore uh, and the set pieces are very similar so mm. so yeah so um, uh, Psycho plus the voices uh, multiplied by the stylist sounds fun sounds good I need to add that one to my uh, watch list I, I'm aware of the vocal of the, the voices but it's been on my watch list oh for, for you haven't years. seen the voices either yeah it's been on my watch list for years so uh, stay Ryan tuned Ryan Reynolds best performance uh, I, I think that's not a super <laughs> high bar for me um, but uh, uh, stay tuned uh, when we actually end up like uh, plugging some of my stuff I, I i have a point to make about the voices but uh yeah uh, i i need to check out all of those to be honest so i i except for psycho obviously seen that yeah so um i'm very excited to continue on with these uh, kind of comparisons you know tackling these movies in a slightly different way is very fun and uh so for next week's episode we will be taking on carrie so we will be looking at the uh brian de palma uh directed version of carrie but we are not talking the Chloe Grace Moretz starring remake. We are going to talk the 2002 uh, TV movie remake starring Angela Bettis. 
So we're gonna be doing those two Carrie movies. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll we're gonna shout out the the third remake as well. I'm sure, but yeah, I'm very those are gonna be the two. Very curious to watch that one because I've seen the Chloe Grace Moretz one, and I like I I'm glad we're talking the TV movie one that I haven't seen, uh, but also I feel like uh, I like the format that we've established here of like comparing and contrasting rather than what I feel like that conversation would be, which is just like yeah, the De Palma one is way fucking better. <laughs> that's that's precisely the reason that yeah. we went with this one as yeah. well and it's also kind of um one of uh the situations of uh stephen king saying that this one is a little bit more book yeah. um accurate Same than with the, De Palma's the, the version with the shining yeah. yeah so it's yeah. kind of one of those situations uh, i haven't seen it but the De Palma carries one of my all-time favorites so yeah. i'm very excited to get into those me too um but uh what are you working on right now um so what i kind of alluded to earlier i'm wanting to start a new uh tiktok series so if you guys want to see that you can uh follow me at garrett mcdowell but I, I I have loads of horror movies in my uh, watch list. Uh, so what I'm going to try to do is like a uh, wheel roulette where it'll just pick a random horror movie in my watch list and then I will re- review said movie. So I'm um, hoping to start that really soon. Uh, but until then, you guys can uh, watch an interview that I just conducted uh, with the uh, writer and director of Sisu. Uh, that's on my YouTube channel now. If you want to uh, watch that, you can just uh, at Garrett McDowell on YouTube uh, and same for Twitter where you can see uh, all of the stuff that I'm working on uh, as well. We have links to all that in the bio. And yeah, please go watch that in an interview. It's a really good one. I watched it earlier this morning. Thank you. Um, and I'm very excited for Sisu. So definitely go check that out. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at underscore Daddy Disco. Uh, you can hear me on the latest episode of the Incinerator podcast going up against Jay, uh, friend of the... Uh, mm. Going against friend of a pod, Jay Krieger, uh, uh, for the best single location thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked to quite a few of those here on the podcast. So, uh, uh, I mean, I think it, it, there was a lot of chaos in the in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Billy, shocker for the incinerator. And then, <laughs> and then and then Billy Ray really thought I was gonna like mess up the top pick, and uh-huh. I was like, okay, come on, like give me some credit because it's like once you guys see the list. Uh, you'll kind of know, I think. Which I one? think the choice was pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, it me, neither me or Jay, like even like it, I won't spoil the episode. Yeah. But uh, so just go listen to that, and um, you can also find me on the Pod and Pendulum talking the Collector, um, as well as um, I got some. Oh yeah, and uh, I just um, I'll be on the Halloweenies uh podcast as well. They do a nail showing segment where we're talking. A uh, 2023 movie that we watched for the first time, and then an older movie watched for a 20 uh, that we watched for the first time. So, nice. um, uh, we had a nice like little panel discussion of uh, six movies in there. So, uh, go take a listen to that. But I'll go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.